How often do you think about your audio brand? Audio brand is one of those terms that you may see a lot around the industry or that you may even think that you've got on lockdown, but there's a lot of different elements that can go into it. Who is doing the speaking, where different sounds or notes show up, who should be creating the music for it, and how you can make sure that things are cohesive across all of the different places where you're creating and distributing your content. Jodi Krangle is a voice actress and expert in all things sound and voice. She's joining me to talk about the different ways that we can be using sound and our voices to improve the overall brand and feeling and connection we are creating with our podcast and to dig into a little bit of social audio. Uh, you know, platforms like Twitter Spaces and Clubhouse. Uh, I am this close, I think, to becoming a convert and being willing to go check it out after hearing Jody talk about how interesting they are. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. You're going to get some great insight into how you can be using different elements of sound to improve your overall audio brand. And it's all happening today on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. Jody, thank you so much for joining us here on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, let's get uh, get started with a little bit about how you kind of got into this area of being a vocal expert, voice actress. Uh, kind of how did you get to kind of where you are in your career right now? Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, I started finding out about voice acting back in 1995-96 when I volunteered my time at the Canadian National Institute for the Blind, so the CNIB. And we were actually doing reel-to-reel tape at the time. <laughs> it was actual reel-to-reel <laughs> tape, yeah. So I was reading magazines onto mm-hmm. tape, and uh, we were recording that for, for um, the blind patrons who mm-hmm. will uh, use that service. And uh, I actually kind of loved the tech of it as much as I did the reading, the, the speaking. And I had a lot to learn, obviously, but that was the first encounter I had with voiceovers in, you know, ever, other than radio DJs, <laughs> which is a very different thing. <laughs> very different thing. That's what uh, my business partner here at One Stone Creative, uh, her background is in in kind of radio DJ world. So yes. Really different. Yeah, it is. It's quite different. Yeah. So uh, that actually kind of percolated in the back of my mind for a while because I was doing internet marketing and SEO for several years. I was uh, an early adopter of the internet. So I had a songwriting resource online in 1995 called The Muse's Muse. Yeah. And that was around until 2016, believe it or not. So it was around for quite some time. That's awesome. Yeah. uh, I didn't decide to go anywhere with that because it kind of got to the point where it was either going to become a social media empire of its own. And that was very, very expensive to figure out at the time, uh, you know, in in like, say, 2014 to 2016, that kind of time period. It just wasn't going to happen. And I wasn't making any money from the site. It was a resource. No one was paying me. I was making a little bit of ad of revenue, but that was pretty much it. So it wasn't going to go anywhere. And uh, it's fine to have yeah. passion projects, but, you know, they don't, yes. they don't always last forever. Mm-hmm. This is true. This is very true. And I enjoyed it for a, a number of years. That was why I decided to get into internet marketing and SEO, because I was promoting my website on a dime. I had no money at all. So I learned how to do it for myself. And I thought I could, you know, help other people do that, too. So, uh, so yeah, it's, um, it worked out really well. And that sat in the back of my mind until about 2007, I was doing... I was still doing the internet marketing, and Google was the only game in town. That was it. That was the only thing left, <laughs> pretty much. 
Uh, you know, Yahoo was still around. I think Bing was maybe the sparkle in someone's eye. I can't, I don't remember. So possibly. I, I I remember like the first ads for Bing and I think I'd already moved out of my parents' house. So it might've been a little bit later than that. Yeah, I think it was a little bit later, but you know, I remember Ask Jeeves and Alta Vista and all of the GeoCity stuff and like, oh, it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There, it was, people today don't understand the magic of MySpace or an Angel oh, no? Fire website. That's very true. That is very true. <laughs> they do not. Yes. But when Google became the only game in town, I got bored. And yeah. I just decided, you know, maybe this is the time for voiceover. So that's kind of when I decided to do that. But, you know, I grew up with very musical parents. We would have uh, a sing-along time instead of story time when I was a kid. And my dad played the guitar. My mom sang. They're still around, thankfully. And uh, we would gather on one of my, you know, one of our beds. My my sisters are mine and the two dogs would join us. And, you know, <laughs> it was a very, you know, Von Trapp family kind of moment. <laughs> oh, lovely. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But we were always very into sound. Sound was always a part of everything that I did. So when I decided to do voiceovers, that's kind of where I went into that. I went into it as a musician. I went into it as a singer and really enjoyed that part of it. But I had a lot to learn about acting. <laughs> so, yeah, skill set, I imagine. It is a very different skill set. It's similar. It's related. It's tangential, let's say. Because when you're on stage and you're emoting a song, you are putting on a persona you are acting in a way yeah. it it's it's the idea of but it's not quite the same thing so i had a lot to learn and that took coaching and like a lot of people who started in voiceover i went about it the wrong way just assuming i knew everything went all whole hog into it and got a demo made that was pretty bad <laughs> and um yeah i learned my lesson and had someone take pity on me and take me under his wing and tell me about the whole thing of acting that 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 actually needed to happen. And uh, that's good. I mean, we all start out uh, a lot weaker than we end up. I know something like I found um, I often when we produce podcasts for clients after about a year, 18 months of podcasting, I like to make people go back and listen to their first episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's always fun for everybody. <laughs> you know? Is that a sarcastic word? <laughs> Is that sarcasm I detect there? Yeah, I got the idea from, from my high school. I went to a, an arts high school, mm -hmm. and uh, it was one of the traditions in the graduating class. My focus was on writing and literary arts, and okay. the tradition was uh, right before you got your diploma, you had to read from your audition portfolio uh, that you submitted at the age of 14. <laughs> so that was wow. really, really fun. Yeah. Uh, I just went to something you said uh, when you were talking about the work you were doing with the Canadian National Institute for the Blind. Mm -hmm. And that was that the tech kind of fascinated you as much as anything else. What about the tech was really interesting or compelling to you? What was that that hook that got into you there? Well, I've always kind of been left and right brained. So, for instance, I have always loved singing. I've been a creative writer in the past. I've written songs of my own. Don't do a whole lot of either of those things anymore. Um, but, you know, very creative growing up. And I also loved computers. I got my first computer in 1986 and I just loved it. And in fact, when I was going through high school and then into university, I was actually selling computer hardware. That was uh, that was my part time job. 
So, like, I loved it. When the 386SX was new, I don't know if you remember those days. But yeah, way, way, (laughs) way back, way back. Those were the, I think, the late 80s, early 90s. So, yeah. So, a while back. A while back. But I just, I loved the the tech of it as well. So, I really have always loved computers. I've always loved being on the internet. Mm -hmm. The idea of it always thrilled me. And so this whole idea, it's kind of coupled with what I do because I have to be my own audio engineer a lot of the time, too. Mm -hmm. So then making websites wasn't so difficult for me. And um, figuring out my audio wasn't all that difficult because a lot of it is cut and paste, especially now. When reel-to-reel was a thing, you used to have to, like, use a razor and, you know, like, tape things together like it was actually yeah hold it that that was a thing (laughs) yeah Uh, but nowadays it's all cut and paste it's all digital and that really harkens back to my days of very early word processing so when I was going to university in order to get my uh, essays printed I went through the English program at York and got an English lit degree of all things and to print my uh, my essays, I would go through the VSAT, the big, huge computer on, on York University campus. And the way to do that was a 1,200-baud modem and then logging in after having used their markup language, which was a really early, early word processor. Mm-hmm. And it was very much like HTML. It was actually really similar to HTML. Like, you had uh, an I and then, uh, you know, you'd have your sentence, whatever, and then to end it, like, in italics, it would be dot I, like, and, and if you missed that dot I, your whole essay was in italics. <laughs> so, and, and you had to, like, physically walk over to collect your in-plastic printout. And if you did it wrong, <laughs> you had to do that all over again. So a lot more work. Yeah. Yes, yes. So you learn the hard way, and that was really early markup language. That was HTML. It was the early days of code. And so as far as I was concerned, I was kind of primed for HTML. Well, let's, uh, let's kind of jump forward uh, into the future a little bit now, because I know one of the things... We chatted about a little bit this kind of when we were corresponding, setting up the call, and it's the the importance and the I guess even existence of an audio brand. Oh, yeah. And so this is something that you know we work with a lot in podcasting, mm-hmm. uh, and it sounds great to say, oh yeah, we're you're gonna have a great audio brand. We're gonna fix that up. We're gonna design it for you as we execute your process, uh, or your podcast. But uh, could you define kind of for everyone listening what exactly is an audio brand and what goes into one? Uh, Well, an audio brand is, I'm going to give you the definition that the International Sound Awards give, and actually I'm a jury member this year, so it's particularly apropos. Uh, It's uh, audio branding is a brand sound that represents the identity and values of a brand in a distinctive manner. The audio logo, branded functional sounds, so like the sound that your GE kettle makes when it's done boiling, uh, you know, any beeps or boops or whatever happen with various appliances around your house, even in your car. Um, you know, things like that can also be part of an audio brand. And uh, 
the brand music or the brand voice can also be characteristic elements of audio branding. So it's all a part and parcel of the overarching identity in sound of a brand. And, you know, like a like a brand has an identity in visuals as well, right? They use a certain font. They use certain colors. Uh, they use certain sizes of fonts or certain graphical designs in anything that they put together. There's also that aspect in audio. And you can do that in audio. It's actually just as important. And I would argue in some cases it can be more important so uh, it just depends on where your branding is being experienced. But these days, it's often being experienced in places where visuals are not even possible. Definitely. We're seeing that a lot with, with podcasts. Mm -hmm. I'd love to get a little more into one of those. So an audio logo. Mm -hmm. uh, that sounds really interesting. What, what exactly is an audio logo? Well, sonic logos have been around for a long time. They're generally really quick mnemonics or like the badum from Netflix or the da-da-da-da, you know, like that. Okay, we all know yeah. what that is. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, so like the hear it. Sound yeah, or... the, yeah, the Intel sound or or um, even like da-da-da-da-da, like that's, you know, that's McDonald's, <laughs> right? So like you, yeah. you got it in a quick few seconds. Okay. And it's just a series of notes that you remember over and over and um, and actually, there was just recently a, a study that found that sonic branding boosts audio ad recall uh, by double digits, apparently. Really? This was done between Odyssey and Veritonic. And uh, yeah, it's apparently a, a study that they just completed where they actually measured this. And apparently in radio ads, sonic branding increased recall by 17%. And in podcasts, it, it uh, increased it by 14%. Okay, so sponsors take note. Yeah, uh, if you... <laughs> pretty big stuff. Yeah, and so let's pretty big stuff. think about a podcast episode. About where might you find the different elements of audio brand? If you wanted to either create one or look at your own podcast, maybe you haven't given a thought to audio branding. Sort of what's uh, what's the checklist that we're going to want to run down for all the different kind of audio brand elements? I would say the intro and outro is the first mm -hmm. place to start. So you can have music attached to that. You can use your own voice as the branding or you can have someone else do that voice for you. The way that I tell people whether or not they should use their own voice or have someone voice it for them, like a professional mm -hmm. voice talent, is if you want people to say nice things about you, you want someone else to say that. You don't want to say that yourself, right? So if you have a lot of accolades that you want to make sure are in that intro, that mm -hmm. there are reasons people should pay attention to you, then you definitely should have a professional voice talent do that for you because it sounds better coming from someone else rather than yourself. <laughs> I like that as a guideline. That's that's a really kind of clever way, uh, whereas in, uh, by contrast, uh, if you're, you know, talking more about, you know, the value of the show for the listener uh, mm -hmm. and the, you know, the amazingness of the guests, uh, that can be a really good place to use your own voice. as a Well, yeah. Teacher. But I'm also hearing that consistency is really important. It uh, is. Audio brand. It's got to be the same from very much so. Week to week. Yeah. People start to recognize the music before it starts mm -hmm. or like as it starts, they get the first couple of notes and they understand, oh, this is this is this is this such and such podcast. Oh, I hear that voice. Oh, okay. That's who's the intro to this podcast. Yeah. 
So people get used to this. The more often they hear it, the more consistently you use something, it it triggers our memory. And that just makes everything better for advertisers because, I mean, really, that's what you want as an advertiser. You want to be remembered. Yeah. That's that's the whole point of advertising, really. Oh, so, so and, and similarly, yeah. if you are, you know, podcasting in support of your business, you know, you want uh, that that brand and, and personal recognition of you and your company uh, for when when that happens. So are there anywhere else in a podcast uh, episode that you might sneak one in or find one? Oh, uh, sure. I uh, know some uh, you know areas like different music beds that are used or transitions yep. to and from ad breaks. Um, yeah. Kind of how cohesive does it need to be, really? I would say the more cohesive you can make it, the better, but you don't have to use exactly the same things that you do, for instance, in your intro or outro. Mm -hmm. uh, like, for instance, my own podcast, I do the intro to my own podcast because yeah. I don't think of myself as the expert per se. I'm the uh, layperson asking the expert what mm -hmm. they're doing. So for me, it's more like I'm a fellow traveler. And that's how I think of it. So for me, because my voice is my brand, especially because of what I do, it made sense for me to do my, in, my own intro and outro. But I did have someone make music for me. So this is a point that I want to make to anyone who is thinking of starting and continuing a podcast. Because yes, in the very beginning, I understand that license-free music directories are fantastic and you can get some really, really good stuff there. But as you go on, you want your own audio brand because you don't want your competitors or anyone else doing another podcast to be able to use the same music you're using. And that often happens. I've heard that a lot on certain podcasts, certain rock, you know, uh, manifesto type openings that I've heard on many, many different types of podcasts use the same license-free music. I, and I can even think of the names from Envato of a company yeah. that I hear all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know what I mean, right? And it's yep. really hard for you to get an actual brand yourself if the music you're using is heard in 50 other places that aren't you. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I had an experience a little while ago because we've got, to, um, um, you know, one of our the shows that we produce has, you know, it is, it's a music library, the, the intro. Uh, and I, I love it. It really matches the the vibe of the show. It really feels good. I've got it very intimately connected with that particular show that I really mm -hmm. adore. I heard the same music on another person's show, and I was like, what a terrible choice. That doesn't fit them at all. I don't like it. <laughs> and it was the same music. But yeah. the context was so different that I had a completely different experience of it. Yeah, uh, yeah. So uh, the, the part of this that I kind of want to um, mention is, for instance, how this works when you start off, sure, music licensing directory, see if your podcast has staying power. If it does, get someone to make music for you. And the reason I say that is because then it's yours. And then you can use bits and pieces of it for your little, um, you know, going into and out of an ad. You can use, uh, you know, changing of a topic. You can use those little uh, spacers, I guess you'd call them almost. And that can all be part of the music that was created for you, the atmospheric piece, whatever it is you're using. So when I started my podcast, and that was back in 2019 in November, I originally got a license-free music directory um, sound, a music piece that I really enjoyed. And I enjoyed it because of the little, it had a kind of um, like a guitar riff at the beginning that was yeah. very earworming and, and that stuck with you. And I, I really liked that part. So I used that for about 100 episodes. And then at the 100th episode, I was like, okay, 
this definitely has staying power. <laughs> I need to do something with someone who is actually making music specifically for me. And when I instructed that person to make that music, I said, look, I really like this earwormy part at the beginning here. And I think that that is part of my audio brand at this point. It's almost like a sonic logo in a way, because yeah. you hear those riffs and you know my podcast is coming, right? So mm -hmm. I want something that's similar to that, but isn't obviously the same piece, obviously, like yeah. something <laughs> different. Yeah. So, so he went and he did this and he created it for me and it was really awesome. And I used it for 50 episodes. And then after the 50th, after like the 150th episode, I was like, okay, and things are changing again because I just, I just wanted something a little more clean. His mm -hmm. sounded, I, I liked it for a long time, but it sounded kind of grunge, just a little bit. And that wasn't where I was taking things. So I decided that I would get someone else that I had interviewed on the podcast, actually. Nikolai Bogdan Bratis is his name. And he did a new piece for me. And he did little in-between pieces as well. And not only that, but he took my intro voiceover and he kind of made it pan from left to right in certain places. And he, like, changed the voice just a little bit just to make it a little more interesting, which I thought was really fantastic. So that's the one that I've had now for a, a little bit now. Um, but yeah, linking to this in the in the show notes. So if you want to go check it out, listen to it, absolutely do so. You will find the link uh, where yeah. you're listening to this. And that also leads me really, I think, into the next thing I wanted to talk about with the the kind of the the modernization or the extra editing of your voice. Mm -hmm. um, what if the music you like you don't feel matches your voice, or, or is there even is it such a thing that a voice can match a type of music or audio brand, um, or is that just like a, a an imaginary thing that no one needs to worry about? Uh, or should yeah, be concerned? <laughs> I, it's a really good question, and and I think it depends on the person and the use of the music. So if you don't feel your voice works for that music, but you think it does fit your podcast, mm -hmm. get a voice talent to do it for you because then they can match their voice to the tone that that piece has. And that's part of my job. That's part of what I do. I often use music to get me into the tone, the emotional context. That's what I, I use music for a lot of the times. And that will inform the tone that I use for whatever podcast intro, outro I'm asked to do. And so, yeah, I think that the music can inform your choice a lot. Yeah. If it doesn't fit you, maybe it fits a voice talent that you would ask. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think that just because it doesn't fit your voice that it should necessarily stop you from using it. And again, I think that we need to be careful about who we're doing this for. We're not doing it for us necessarily, mm -hmm. right? So... It's nice that it does coincide with your brand. It's nice that it fits who you are. But you're also paying attention to who you're reaching on the other side. So you want to make sure that your audience is going to enjoy it as much as you do. Because mm -hmm. if, if they don't, then no one's going to listen. <laughs> That's the whole point, right? We're doing this so people will listen. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of us do go out and hire uh, voice talent to help with intros, outros, other things. Even ads within the podcast. Ads within the podcast, absolutely. So, and, and I'm hearing that it would probably be really sensible to send them, to send whoever you, you're having audition or whoever you've hired the music. Um, Definitely. Else? It kind of makes kind of building that relationship or getting the kind of outcome that you want easier. 
Uh, what should a podcaster be sending to to voice talent? I think the music really helps. I think an idea of who their audience is will really help. The age ranges, that can help a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, just in general, anything that you want to share is always helpful. And the tone that maybe you think you want, you know, and, and the voice actor will probably know whether or not that's realistic. <laughs> and will be able to tell you, oh, well, you know, I understand that this is kind of what you're after, but I think given your audience, maybe you should think about this. You know, so so maybe the voice talent would make some suggestions and the person asking for it being open to that would be nice. But um, that's always super easy to be really flexible about your creative vision for a free show that you're working. Yeah, that can be a tough one. But, you know, at the same time, um, I'm hired to give people what they want. And if they want something in particular, tell me what it is you want. And that's what I will give you. <laughs> you know, if you don't tell me, I'm not going to know. <laughs> is, it, uh, is it reasonable to expect that, um, uh, you know, someone you, you brought on to be voice talent uh, would listen to a few episodes of a show to get a sense of uh, kind of what the, the whole thing is? Or would that be asking a little bit too much? As I know, I'm just shamelessly picking your brain about. No, you know, it, it depends. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of depends. Um, I. You know, I don't always listen to a bunch of episodes. I might listen to one uh, just to get an idea of how it usually goes. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, people kind of hire me to elevate something. So whatever I'm listening to may not be in its final form. And I'm not here to judge, right? Yeah. I'm just here to give you what you need. <laughs> mm -hmm. So whether or not I would listen to the podcast <laughs> is, you know, it's kind of up for debate. It, it depends. Yeah. And and again, it depends on, on what the expectation is of the person that I'm being hired by. I have no problem listening to an episode or two. Um, I don't mind doing that. But it may or may not be something that I would continue listening to. I mean, yeah, it's not necessarily a, a play to get a new subscriber. Uh, it's a little podcast. No, no. And that's the no. wonderful thing about them. But yes. <laughs> yeah. you, you don't necessarily listen to them all for fun. Yes. So um, changing talk a little bit actually to the topic of, of new subscribers and maybe engaging mm -hmm. with subscribers that you have. Uh, I know one of the things that uh, you have quite a lot of experience in is social audio. Uh, uh, yeah. And so that's the platforms like uh, Clubhouse, like Twitter Spaces. Um, I know when I first heard about Clubhouse, I've never actually tried it because uh, they took too long to get to Android. But I could not imagine something that sounded less pleasant or enjoyable than uh, just a bunch of people talking in conversations you can go join online digitally. It's like, oh, someone someone has designed a personal hell for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I know lots of people are really, like, they enjoy them. It's a, it's a great, you know, way to connect with people, way to get your message out there. Um, could you just give a little kind of overview of the environment and kind of the kinds of conversations or experiences that you can have there for those sure. who are less of a Luddite than I am? <laughs> Uh, first of all, I am on an Android as well. The way that I managed to get on there a little early was that my parents had given me an old iPad so that I could FaceTime with them. So I got on with my iPad first and then later joined on a desktop application called Club Deck. So it's clubdeck.app, and you can use that with a Mac or a, a PC, and you can now join Clubhouse with your desktop computer which means I can use this mic, <laughs> which makes nice. me very happy. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, um, Clubhouse is one of those things where it's no video. 
So you don't have to do your makeup. You don't have to, you could crawl, you could still be in bed. You don't need to, <laughs> right? You don't have to, you don't have to do anything. And I mean, so great acoustics, just could put that out there. <laughs> could, could very well be. Yes. Yeah. But uh, it's not just a join a room and it's a free for all discussion. Generally, what happens is you join a room and there are panelists. There are people up on what, you know, the quote stage. And those are the only people who have mics that can be live. So everyone else in the room is listening and they can raise their hand to be brought up on stage so that their mic can go live and they can have a discussion with the people on the stage. But it's not just a giant free for all. Everyone's talking at the same time kind of deal. So if, if that's your your anxiety, <laughs> which I totally understand, then that's not something you would need to worry about. Okay, it is it's uh, a little more curated. Though. It is a little more curated. Yes. Yeah. So I have a regular clubhouse discussion Wednesdays and Thursdays at 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern. And the Wednesday rooms are just sound related, sound themed. And I'll talk about voiceovers, podcasting, public speaking, uh, um, audio and healthcare. I've talked about that. I've talked about um, audio branding, of course. Uh, so advertising, marketing, and where sound comes into that, digital sound, and and I've talked about social audio and how to use it and all sorts of interesting things that have to do with sound. I have one coming up in the next, uh, I think tomorrow, actually, that is for voice actors who are bilingual. So it's a, uh, are you a bilingual voice talent? If you are, you have unique problems and you have unique gifts. And these are things that we're going to be discussing. So there's a bunch of people on my panel from various different parts of the world who speak many languages and how they deal with working with clients and how they find clients and all of the interesting little challenges that can happen if you have more than one language. Um, you know, for instance, getting paid in English can be fairly okay, but getting paid in another language can be challenging because they won't often pay you the same amount of money that you were making doing English. Mm -hmm. So because like seeing it, thinking of it as like a secondary thing where it's not really secondary, it's it's a voice. It's the whole same work. Exactly. So, you know, there are unique challenges. But anyway, so that's one of the things that we talk about. We talk about podcasting. Um, the room on Thursdays is mm -hmm. between myself and two of my colleagues who also have podcasts and are voice actors. We call this room Voices in Podcasting, mm -hmm. VIP. And myself, Cheryl Holling, and Ann Ganguza are just having a chat amongst ourselves, and people can join in, and it's kind of like a party. And, uh, you know, we we are the three on stage and we bring people up to have discussions about podcasting and voice acting and where they meet in the middle. So that is just an hour. And that's another thing that I am very conscious of in Clubhouse. I'm there for an hour. It's only an hour. I'm not there all afternoon. <laughs> it's not the room that never ends. <laughs> It, it ends at a particular time. It starts at a, a particular time. It ends at a particular time. So people are aware of the timing and it's not mm -hmm. going to take them all day. So what's kind of the benefit of doing that on a platform like Clubhouse uh, rather than, you know, making it a podcast episode or doing a different kind, maybe a live stream or a webinar? Uh, what makes it different uh, and, and kind of fit for purpose? 
Well, first of all, I have actually made my clubhouses into some podcasts. So if you look in some of my earlier episodes, you'll see that there is a in the clubhouse tag on some of those. And those are hour long discussions split into two and released over two weeks. And so those are some of the discussions that we've had in Clubhouse. And it lets you hear what goes on, really, if you're not in Clubhouse. And as far as what it's good for, I would say it's a way for you to connect with people who want to connect with you because you can actually have a conversation with people who are experiencing your podcast or want to get to know you better, want to know what you're offering. And, you know, podcasting is a very uh, almost isolating, very um, passive type of medium because people, when they listen to podcasts, they don't want to do anything else. They're already doing something else. They're Mm -hmm. likely they're walking or they're doing the laundry or they're washing the dishes or they're trying to get something else done in the house, or they're out grocery shopping, or whatever they're doing. They're already doing something else. They don't want to be called upon to comment. And so it's it really takes a special fan of the podcast to participate in something like a clubhouse. But given the opportunity, many of them will. But it's a separate thing. So it's not... It's not listening to the podcast. It's having a conversation with someone who may listen to your podcast. And so it makes a deeper connection. When you're talking to someone, when you're hearing their voice, that's a, that's a deep connection. That is something that lets you in on who these people actually are. And I think that's a beautiful thing. Do you find there's um, kind of a, a critical mass of audience that you have to have to make, um, you know, a social audio event or, or room really functional? Uh, you know, I think that it can work if it's like five or six people. You just have everyone up on stage having a discussion and you don't really need anyone else and that's fine. But I usually say between 20 and 40 people is your yeah. optimum because that way the people who want to come up can come up. There's a discussion the people who are in the audience are actually interested in what's going on. There's enough questions going on that the conversation can continue. It's not, it, you know, you're not waiting. It, there's not a whole bunch of silence. <laughs> um, always awkward. Yeah, always awkward. Um, I do things in my clubhouse room like I have music that plays to begin so that people can settle in and get used to things. And it's not just a silent room to start off. I have an intro that I play when someone joins the room, which now uses my new music. So that's Very nice. nice. Very nice. Uh, and branding. Oh, exactly. Yes, that is a part of audio branding. Mm-hmm. So that is a part of my audio brand. And and yeah, there's uh, there's sometimes we have an outro, actually. Uh, in the Thursday room, Cheryl's husband and Cheryl and, and her husband, her husband is a complete ham and he's so much fun. And so he and she have put together intros and outros for like special occasions or, you know, like it's just, yeah, like they just have fun with it. And so we we play those in the room on a regular basis and they're just, they're just fun and funny and people enjoy them. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's a nice, fun place for people to relax and enjoy a nice conversation. Awesome. Well, that's, uh, you've somewhat convinced me to to maybe give this a shot, get the, get the club deck, check things out a little bit. <laughs> 
It just depends uh, and, uh, on on what rooms you're checking out, you know. You, you, and of course, that's always the way, right? You know, you yeah. find kind of the right communities within these really large platforms. Exactly, uh, and that's you know as true for an individual as it is for a, a business or brand. Right? Yeah, and you can you can follow people, so you can you get to know people on Clubhouse and you follow them, and then you'll know when they go into a room, and you'll mm-hmm. see what room they're going into, and then you can either join them or you know when you go into a room and they've followed you back then, you know, they may go into the room you go into. It, it just, it, it communities build themselves based on that following. Very interesting. So thank you so much. This has been really, really fascinating. I think we've gotten a lot of uh, really great insights to be able to, to use and take forward. Um, where can people connect with you more? Um, maybe join your clubhouse rooms uh, or yes, would you like to be uh, gotten in touch with? Uh, sure. Well, you can find me on my website, which is voiceoversandvocals.com. And the podcast, Audio Branding, is at audiobrandingpodcast.com. And the Clubhouse, which is... Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Clubhouse is uh, a club called The Power of Sound. So if you look for the club, The Power of Sound, you'll see in the calendar all of the things that are on the docket that are coming up. And uh, you can join in on those. And usually that's Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern or Thursdays at 2 p.m. Eastern. Fantastic. That sounds so interesting. Everyone go check it out. Could be great. You'll learn a brand new uh, brand new platform, brand new way to connect with your audiences uh, and learn more from expert Jody Krangle and Phil. <laughs> thank you so much. Jody, thank you so much for being here. It's been a pleasure. Thanks. <laughs> As always, thank you so much for joining me here on the Business Podcast Blueprint Show. I've been your host, Megan Doherty, and this episode was produced by the whole team at One Stone Creative. If you're thinking about podcasting for your business or for your company, we would love to talk about how we might be able to help you with that. Come visit us at onestonecreative.net. That's O-N-E, stonecreative.net.